At RIV, we invite everyone to know and enjoy Jesus as we stumble together in our pursuit to love like Him. This stumbling together is how we live out the truths of the gospel in community each day. As we look to the next generation, we are trusting God to use our Riverview Church family to be a great blessing to our community in Lansing and beyond. We are committed to loving like Jesus as we dream and pray about the future. With our renewed core values, we are looking to take some significant steps over the next two years from increasing our staff with young and diverse leaders, improving our kids and student spaces, planting more churches, and developing a new missional fund for RIV communities to serve our neighborhoods, cities, and towns. These dreams happen as we join together as a church family. So we're asking you three questions. Would you join a RIV community? Where do you plan to be present missionally? And what do you plan on giving financially? Would you pray and consider being a part of this two-year commitment as we entrust our plans to God, pray for lives to be changed, and equip and empower the next generation? All right, good morning, Riverview. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve as the Westside Venue Director. If I haven't had the opportunity of meeting you, I would love to meet you. I will be over here eating cookies in just a little bit (laughs) our first Sunday. So I'd love for you to stick around, meet some other people. I'd love to get to know you uh, a little bit. But last week, we started a new series here at Riverview called Entrust. And what we're going to be doing over the next, or the next month is we're really going to be looking at some specific hopes that we have as a church, things that we are planning for, things that we're praying over uh, for the next two years. And as I've been thinking about this particular message and just thinking about this series as a whole, I've thought a lot about my own story, you know, my own faith story, and really how I got involved with Riverview 20 years ago as a teenager. Uh, You know, for me, I was a sophomore in high school uh, when I became a Christian. Uh, That's when I started become, or that's when I started attending the Holt venue. Uh, My friends and I, we would come on Saturday nights, and the free coffee was a huge hit (laughs) for us, just drinking coffee at 8 p.m. at night. You know, it's great. Um, But months before I ever attended, you know, I had become a Christian. And Riverview is really the first local church that, that I plugged into that I really wanted to be a part of. And the thing, though, that led me to, to hearing the gospel, to, to becoming a follower of Jesus, it was actually before my involvement with Riverview, it was through the faithfulness of a young man named Mark. Mark was a volunteer leader in a ministry called Young Life. So Mark was a college student at Michigan State University, and I went to Mason High School, go Bulldogs. Um, but what Mark did was he just spent time with us. He spent time with me and my friends. He, he would come to the school and eat lunch with us. He would come to our soccer games. He really got to know us. But along with that, what he and some other volunteer leaders would do was he, he led this weekly meeting called Club. Club was just a time where our friends could get together, we could have fun. But Mark and the leaders, what they would do is they would give us 10-ish minute teachings about Jesus. They would open the Bible with us and they would explain to us who Jesus was and why he was so important. And it was roughly a, a year of after knowing Mark, of going to club, of going to camp, that my life was changed. I heard the gospel. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And as I've been spending time this week reflecting on that time of my life, I really don't know where I would be without Mark. My life, I really believe, would be completely different. Because what I didn't realize then that I do realize now 
was that Mark was a Christian who was living his life on mission. His life was captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he had this desire to help other people know Jesus as well. And you could see this mission if you just looked at Mark's life, how he spent his time, how he spent his money, his energy. He spent time with high school students as a college guy. He could have been on campus having fun, doing all that stuff, but he spent time with us. And he did that so that we would know and enjoy Jesus. That was 20 years ago this year. And my heart is just filled with gratitude for Mark, the work that God did through him and his faithfulness uh, in front of my friends and I. And, you know, this all came to mind for me this week because of this series, because of what we are hoping for, for, what we're praying for as a church. Last week we heard about what it means to be in community. And we, and we put the question before you, would you consider living your life in a RIV community with other believers? Next week, we're going to look at what, we're, what we give to this mission, to these next two years, what we're committing to. But this morning, we are looking at that idea of mission. Where do you plan to be present missionally? Now, when you think about that word mission, it's pretty common, right? We use that word all the time in our everyday vocabulary. But if you were just to look it up in the dictionary, all a mission is, it's just a strongly felt ambition, or it's a calling, or it's a purposeful movement. It's something we're moving towards with the hopes of accomplishing something else. And you see mission statements all over the place. Churches, organizations, businesses, schools, they all have them, right? You'll see them on the walls of the places you, you work, and you'll see them on the websites of the places that you're applying for. We use that word mission casually, too. You know, you may just be home, and you are on a mission to find that thing that your kids took and put somewhere, like, that, that happened <laughs> in my house last week. I had something. My son unknowingly took it and hid it somewhere. And it didn't find it until the next day. But it was my mission to find that thing. Okay? But when we think about mission as an ambition or a purposeful movement in a specific direction, a lot of different things may come to mind for us. Every one of us is on mission for something. For some of us, that mission may, may be about our family, right? The decisions that we make, the jobs that we work, how we spend our time, they all point to having our family thrive. For others of us, maybe our, our mission is career advancement. You work longer hours. You, you, you have other work outside of your job responsibilities so that you can get noticed or that you can maybe move up into management or maybe move up in whatever company you work for. For some of us, our mission may be a comfortable life be able to travel as much as you want to, to upgrade to the bigger and better house, to have the newer cars, the material possessions. Maybe your mission's a relationship, to get married, right? So you, to find that perfect person. So you put yourself out there, you date, you, you, you try and find that person with the hopes that that will be the lasting relationship in your life. Maybe your mission's the success of your children, Right? You sign them up for classes and clubs and sports teams. You drive them everywhere. Anyone living that out right now? Right? You drive them all over the place for years in hopes that maybe they'll be really successful in one of those endeavors. For others of us, maybe our mission's in the political sphere. You talk with people. You donate your money. You spend your time in hopes that certain people will get elected and that they'll lead in our state, in our country. And finally, maybe some of us, that mission, it's retirement. 
You work hard, you invest, you save, and you work over time so that you can finally have enough financial security to slow down. See, while we may not realize that every single one of us here today is on mission for something, and while you may not be able to define what that mission is, other people can for you. Because our mission, what we are living for, it's revealed by what we talk about. It's revealed by what we think about, how we make our decisions, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, who we spend our time with. If someone were to look at all those aspects of your life, your words, your thoughts, your finances, your time, your relationships, your schedule, what would they say you were on mission for? Now, all those things I listed just a few minutes ago, they're really good, right? They're good things. Having a career that you enjoy is great. Marriage is awesome. Being able to vote and engage in civic spaces as followers of Jesus is a great opportunity. Kids are a blessing. Retirement can be great. But for Christians, all of those ambitions should be seen for what they truly are. They're gifts. They're gifts God has given to us not only to enjoy, but they are to help us in our primary mission as followers of Jesus. And that primary mission is helping others know and enjoy Jesus Christ. We see this all throughout the Bible from beginning to end. The mission of God is helping lost people be reconciled back to him. We see this in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Right? God is doing this work. In the very beginning of everything, after God had created, he created Adam and Eve. And, and God had this beautiful relationship with them. He walked in the garden. He had given them this beautiful thing to have dominion over and to cultivate and, and just to, to lead over. But see, Adam and Eve, they, they broke that relationship with God because of their sin. They disobeyed. And since then, every single one of us have been born with that sin nature that, that entered the world back in Genesis 3. And since then, God's mission has been to get us back. And he did that by sending a rescuer. He sent Jesus. Jesus was born into the world as a baby like us. But the thing about Jesus was that he lived a perfect life. He lived the life we couldn't live. But then he went to the cross. He paid for our sin with his death. That was the penalty of our separation from God. It was mended by Jesus Christ. And it's faith in him that gets us back into relationship with God. See, we see this. This is God's mission. It's the ark of Scripture. And he does it through the work of Jesus. You know, when you read the gospel accounts, there's four gospel accounts in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are accounts of Jesus' life, his ministry, how he lived. You see this mission all over it, every page. And in one, you see it in the gospel of Luke. Jesus spent time with this man named Zacchaeus. You may be familiar with the story. If you're not, that's okay. It's in Luke 19. But Zacchaeus, what he did, he was a chief tax collector, okay? Meaning he would go around and he would collect taxes, from, from people's homes. And back then, what tax collectors would often do is they would collect money, but they would say that the, this, this family or this person owed more, so they would give some of it to Rome, and then they would keep the rest. Okay, so, ta so tax collectors, they would often cheat people. 
And on top of that, they were collecting taxes for the Roman government who was oppressing them. Okay, so the picture of Zacchaeus that you should have is, would be that it was totally normal for him to steal from his own people and to work for the enemy. And one day Jesus comes into town. All these people are trying to find him. And Jesus finds Zacchaeus and he's like, I want to spend time with you. I'm coming over. And Jesus spends this time with Zacchaeus. And we see something happen. Zacchaeus repents of his sin. Time with Jesus completely changed him. And look at the mission that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 9. This is Jesus speaking about what's just happened in Zacchaeus' life. Jesus says this, Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was a Jew. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save the lost. This is the mission of God, helping people be reconciled back to him. And this happens by faith. We recognize that it is our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that held him there. It was his death, faith in this, that restores our relationship with God. This is the gospel message. When you hear that word gospel, what that means is good news. And this is the good news we're talking about every time we say gospel. The work of Jesus for us. Some significant changes happen in you. When you become a Christian, when you trust in the gospel, first thing that happens is God moves into your life. The Holy Spirit indwells you. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament shows us this. The book of Ephesians was a letter the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In all of chapter 1, what he's doing is he's just reminding them of things that are true. And one of them is about this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, Paul writes this, In him, meaning in Jesus, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. When you believe, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. God himself takes up residence in your heart. He begins shaping you and molding you to be more like Jesus and how you think and how you act and how you speak. This is that internal heart change. But along with that, there is an external change. Along with that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what happens in a Christian is that their primary mission in life changes. All those ambitions you pursued before, kids, career, marriage, retirement, they are no longer ultimate things. They aren't ambitions that dominate your mind and your desires. They become good gifts that God has given you to enjoy and to steward well in your new mission as a disciple of Jesus, helping others know and enjoy him 2 Corinthians was another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he lays out this mission very specifically to this church. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to who? Us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We see the mission again. Verse 21, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see the mission in that passage? We become reconciled to God by faith, and then we help others do the same. And there's a title that we have when we become Christians. It's ambassadors for Christ. You know, another word for ambassador is representative. Some people have the job of an ambassador around the world, right? They, they, they live in a foreign country and they live as a foreign ambassador. They represent their country somewhere else. But if you think about it, we are all ambassadors for the stuff that we love in our lives. TV shows, products, cars, places to travel, whatever that thing is that we cannot help but share with others. We're ambassadors of that thing. We want others to enjoy it too. This happened for me when I got a Kindle Paperwhite a few years ago. Have it right here. I love this device. Okay, I will try to convince you, if we're talking about reading in books, I will try to convince you to get one. I have my library on here. It has a backlight. I take it everywhere I go, all that. And some people, you know, they tell me, I just love the feel of a book. Right? I just love the pages. I love knowing where I'm at. Like, those people are wrong, okay? Like, this, <laughs> this is just better. It's better in every way. I will have long conversations with you about this. But here's the thing. I am an ambassador for that device. It's silly, I know. I enjoy it. And I want other people to enjoy it. See, that's what ambassadors do. They're captured by something. See, to be an ambassador for Christ is that very thing. It's to be captured by him. What he's done in our lives. See, as ambassadors, what we do is we encourage others to be reconciled to God as we have, to experience that joy we have. As, amb as ambassadors, we're given a new mission. Our ultimate aim in life, it's no longer us-centered, but it becomes God-centered. And we actually see there, it's called this ministry of reconciliation. That's for us. But what does that look like practically? As a Christ follower, if that's true of you, what does it mean to live on that mission? We see this really clearly in the Gospel of Matthew, another Gospel account. Matthew spent time with Jesus. And it's in the last chapter of this account that we see Jesus say something to his disciples. Jesus had, Jesus had already been crucified. He had resurrected from the dead. He had uh, appeared to a lot of people. And this is the final words that Jesus gave the first disciples. They're marching orders. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you have grown up in the church, maybe, or if you've been a Christian for a little while, you, you may know what this passage is referred to. It's called the Great Commission. 
And a commission, what that is, it is an instruction given to an individual or a group. And the mission, the commission Jesus gives to the disciples, it's four commitments. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Jesus had spent three years of his life with this group of people. He had taught them. He had cared for them. He had ministered to them. He had prepared them for this very moment when he would ascend into heaven. And these people would carry on this mission. And this was not the only, only the mission of those first disciples. This continues to be the mission for every Christian in every place in every time. To be missional means that our lives are committed to this. Making disciples, helping people understand and believe who Jesus is, and then walking alongside them as they grow. Now, I don't know about you, but looking at that commission, it looks daunting. How can we accomplish that? What Jesus is calling us to do? Well, the answer is we can't do that in our own strength or in our own efforts. We must remember that it is God who empowers this mission. God is the one who changes hearts and he uses our words. He uses our faithfulness, our missional living in that very ministry of reconciliation. We see this right before Jesus gives the commission. Did you notice what Jesus said before he told them to go? Look at it. Verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the authority when it comes to people becoming disciples. Do you know what that means? You are not. That's good news. We're not the decision makers when it comes to someone becoming a follower of Jesus. That's God's responsibility. But that, mean, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. Because right after this, what does Jesus say? Go. Go do this work. Because God uses us. He includes us in this mission. It's through our faithfulness in loving people. It's in our faithfulness in sharing Christ with them that God reconciles people by faith. Jesus is the authority. It's not us. After the commission, Jesus says something else in verse 20. He says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not the ultimate authority. We also remember that we're not alone in the mission God calls us to. Jesus is with us. As we go and share the gospel with people, as we make disciples, it's these very truths that empower that mission. God saves people. That is his job. And he is with us when he includes us in that work. Earlier this week, I listened to part of a sermon from John Piper. It was a sermon that he had given 25 years ago. And it was in this conference he was teaching at for teenagers. He was outside on this big stage. And what he was doing was he was pleading with them, do not waste your life. He said that their lives could count not because they knew a lot of things or they were really attractive or they made a lot of money. He said that their lives could count if they were mastered by a very few things. The gospel being that thing. He shared how in his church a few months earlier, there were these two elderly women who had died instantly while they were missionaries in Cameroon. 
And these two women, they had committed their lives to serving the poor, to sharing the gospel, sharing their lives in this other country. And one day the brakes went out in their car and they got in a car accident and they died instantly in Cameroon. Piper went on to share about another couple, a story, a married couple that he had read about in a magazine. This couple had taken early retirement. They had moved to Florida, bought a boat, played softball, and they spent their time collecting shells. And the question John Piper asked the crowd that day was, which one of these situations is a tragedy? Was it a tragedy that those two women who were serving the Lord, who were loving the poor, that they died in that work and instantly they got to be in the presence of God because of their faith in Jesus Christ? Or was it a tragedy that that married couple, their mission, all their hard work and devotion, it culminated in a shell collection? Again, he pleaded with them, don't waste your life. We get to take part in this work, in this mission God has called us to. He includes us. Our lives are so important. Jesus has called us to himself, and he's included us in this mission of making disciples. Let's go back to that question that we asked at the very beginning, the question we're asking in this series. Where do you plan to be present missionally? See, when we think about our lives, we may not be able to define or pinpoint what our mission is right now. We may be thinking about that and think, I don't know what that is for me. But it's when we look at how we spend our time, who we spend our time with, what we think about, how we spend our money, what we talk about, that mission comes into focus. What would it look like for the Great Commission to be the aim of your life? Going, making disciples, baptizing people, teaching them about Jesus, not neglecting what God has given you, your relationships, your resources, your families, your careers, your kids, but seeing them for what they truly are, gifts God has given you to enjoy and to steward well in this Great Commission. For me, as I think about being present missionally, what that looks like for me with neighbors, with friends, with with family, with people in the community, there's really four questions that I want to ask myself regularly. These four questions are on my wall in my office. I want to see them every day. And I would consider, I would ask that you consider thinking about these questions too, thinking about them regularly when it comes to our mission. The first one is this, are you prayerful? Tom Rainer is a pastor and he's an author, and he shared his conviction in this book I read recently called Sharing the Gospel with Ease. It's a great book. He shared how he really believes that prayer is often neglected when it comes to missional living. And this is his quote. He said, prayer is the dividing line between those who share the gospel with ease and those who struggle to share the gospel are afraid of sharing the gospel or make excuses for not sharing the gospel. Let me state it even more bluntly. Prayer is the difference between Christians who share the gospel and Christians who don't. See, what's happening when we pray, what we're doing is we are talking with God. We're asking God to work in us. We're asking God to work in people around us. And I don't know about you, but for me, I often neglect prayer. And when I neglect prayer, 
it's because I don't believe it's urgent. And, and trust me, I, I'm not telling you that that's a good thing. That's, that's bad, okay? Like, I'm wrong when I neglect prayer, when I think that. Because when I neglect praying for people in my life, for opportunities to share the gospel with them, for the courage to actually do that, I am forgetting what Jesus said before he gave the Great Commission. When I don't pray, I am forgetting that all authority has been given to Jesus. Because my lack of prayer reveals that I really believe I'm the authority. It's up to me. I can make disciples apart from God. I can make disciples apart from prayer, from opportunity, all that stuff. I can't. We can't. Do you pray for opportunities to share your faith with other people? Do you pray for wisdom when it comes to your time and your energy, the margin you have? Do you pray for specific people you would like to see become followers of Jesus? Mission starts with prayer. Second question is this, are you present? Are you spending time with people? See, this question gets into how we're using our time. Do we have margin in our schedules? And in our lives, to spend time with people that God has put us around. There's a great verse in the book of Acts that, that shows us how God is sovereign over this very area of our life. The people you know, the people you're around, that's all in God's planning and in his sovereignty. It's beautiful. This is Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Look at what it says about this. It says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He did this, why? So that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. This verse reminds us that wherever you are, whenever you're there, God in his perfect sovereignty and in his understanding, he has put you there. You're here this morning in the sovereignty of God. And he did this so that people would seek God and perhaps they would find him. Do you know what this means? God has orchestrated who your neighbors are, who your co-workers are, who the other parents are on your son or daughter's soccer team. And hearing that, at this moment, you may be realizing, God is testing my patience right? I mean, you may think that, and he might be. I don't know. But see, here's the thing. Our presence with those people is not an accident. It's hugely important because God put you there. He put you in that house or that apartment or that cubicle or on that project. Are you prayerful? Are you present? Third question is this, are you prepared? As we spend time with people, as we get to know them, opportunities may arise to share what we believe, how God has worked in our lives, and those are beautiful moments. We see in 1 Peter chapter 3 the posture we should have, we should be prepared. Look at what it says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Some of those opportunities may come up at a time where you're ready for them. Maybe your neighbor in passing says, oh, I used to go to church, you know, years ago. It's not really for me anymore. And you make it a point, hey, next time I want to follow up on that. Hey, why, why don't you go to church anymore? 
or someone opens up with you about troubles that they're experiencing and you realize, like, those are troubles I'm experiencing. I'd love to share my life with you. But other opportunities may arise at times when you don't expect them at all. Someone handing you your coffee at Big B, with a teacher at conferences, with your coworker you're on a project with. Are you prepared to share the reason for the hope that is in you? When I was in high school and when I was in college, I often prepared for tests with with repetition and, and tools, really, that would help me remember information. And years ago, I heard a pastor and a musician named D.A. Horton. He shared how he took people through the gospel, just in conversations uh, with people. He, he had this way of remembering the gospel that was really helpful. And it's an acrostic. Remember those things you would make in art class where you'd put the word down there and you'd write stuff? It's, we can remember the gospel with the word gospel. This is such a helpful tool. I just wanted to share it here. We see it right here. G, the very beginning of everything, we're made in God's image. Mankind was in the garden. We had, and then you go to O, there's open fellowship with God. We had a relationship with him. But that relationship broke because of sin. That's the S. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed. Then the penalty and the price for that sin is that we experience eternal separation from God. We experience death. But then enter Jesus. Jesus did what we couldn't do. He lived the perfect life, chose to pay our penalty by dying on a a cross for our sin. And finally, faith in Jesus gives us life everlasting. We experience life with God today and eternally. Now, this conversation can be six sentences, like it just was, or it can be six hours. It can be something that you write out with somebody, or it can just be something you remember as you share that message with someone else. But it's tools like this that help us be prepared when opportunities arise to share the gospel, the good news with people. Are you prepared to share your hope? Final question is this, are you persevering? And it's really important for us to remember that this is different than pestering, (laughs) okay? To pester means to annoy someone with frequent requests. We don't want to do that. We do want to persevere, though. We want to continue in this mission that God has called us to wherever we are. You know, as you look at those four questions, which one of those is the hardest for you? Prayerful, present, prepared, and persevering. For me, it's this one. This is the hardest one. There's been times where I have been prayerful, I've been present, and I've been prepared, and then not persevered. And it's in those times, I'm going to be honest, I feel like a coward. I feel like a failure or a disappointment. Maybe you feel like that too sometimes. But it's in those moments I need to remember something. We need to remember to trust God to remember that he is the authority, that he is with us. If that conversation goes south when when the name of Jesus is brought up, or when we talk about church, or we talk about spiritual things, or, or that relationship takes a weird turn because the gospel is shared, you know what, that's okay. God is at work in the midst of that. He put you in that place at that moment, and you were faithful.
to the mission? Are you persevering? When God opens a door, are you being faithful to walk through that door? When I think about all these questions, what it would look like for us as a church to be present missionally in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, I think about Mark, my young life leader. He did these four things. He prayed for us. He was present in our lives. He was prepared to share the hope of Jesus, and he persevered. Mark gave up a lot in his life and his commitment to this mission for us, and that was no tragedy. It was worth it. His faithfulness resulted in my life being changed by the gospel. The lives of my friends being changed. This is our mission as followers of Jesus. It's to go. It's to make disciples. And that God chooses to include us in that is an incredible grace to us. Let us embody that mission and be present in that mission wherever God has you today. Let's pray. God, as I, just, as I think about my life, as I think about your grace in helping me see you, believe in you, I'm just so thankful for Mark. for his commitment, first and foremost to you, for his obedience to you. God, I just, the fact that you choose to include us in the work of people going from from death to life, it just blows me away. God, we get to share in the joy that you have of seeing people be reconciled to you. Like a good dad or a good mom who, who lets their kids help them in, in, in work that they could do themselves. They include their kids for their joy, and you do that. God, as, as, as your kids, we get to take part in this mission that you have given us. God, I pray that you help us be present missionally. Whatever mission we're on, whether there's something else in our lives that's just ultimate, that is driving our life, God, I pray that you help us see that. Turn from that and see it for what it is. A good gift you've given us to help others know and enjoy Jesus. Help us be present missionally, Lord, whatever that looks like. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.